Here's what's coming up on today's show. We just want to discover, hey, why do we think what we think about money? Are we making decisions based on outdated information? And just make sure that whatever we're doing, you know, we're making the best decisions possible with accurate information. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for your retirement elevated. Time for another podcast. And today we're talking cognitive bias. And I think you're going to want to listen to today's show. It's going to be unique. It's going to be a pretty cool one and educational, even beyond the world of money and finance. Uh, welcome to your retirement elevated. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Dugan. He is the co-founder and managing partner at Elevated Retirement Group. Clients all across the country based out of the Kansas City metro area. And we're online at listentoscott.com. Scott, can't wait for today's episode. One of your favorite topics. I feel like every couple of months we have something about bias kind of coming into the conversation here. And we've got kind of a cool article that today's conversation sprouted out of that covered 50 cognitive biases in the modern world. And several of these relate directly to money. Some of them are not directly related to money. We're going to talk about mostly the ones related to money, but we're going to link to this article. If you find this kind of stuff interesting and you just want to go check out and read more about it, check the show notes, the description of the program. You'll find a link to this article. But this is one of your uh, one of your favorite kinds of topics, isn't it? It is. As the vast majority of our time as financial planners and advisors is helping people make good, sound financial decisions with their money. And that first step is really identifying, well, how have we made decisions in the past? What process did we use to arrive at those decisions? Is it a sound process? Did that process lead to success or did that process lead to having issues? And so we first need to understand what's our process. Next, we look at what information are we using to make these decisions with? And where cognitive bias comes in, and you know, cognitive biases are widely accepted as something that make us human. Uh, but everyday systematic errors in our thought process impact the way we live and work. But in a world where everything we do is changing rapidly, from the way we store information to the way we watch TV, what really classifies as rational thinking? <laughs> That's you know? a good point, it, isn't it? It yeah. is. It, yeah. And so what it's what was rational a year ago <laughs> isn't today. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. And so it's a question with no right or wrong answer, but to help us decide for ourselves, that's what we're going to talk about these 50 cognitive biases. Now, we're not going to call it cover all 50. We want to leave you a little room. It'll I'm going to highlight podcast. some of the yeah. be a long one. Uh, but again, we, we want to think through these or read these and see if you can identify are some of these affecting you. And I can tell you going through this, uh, some of these popped up, I'm like, oh, you know, I never thought of it that way. And it's, it's very cool. They break this down uh, into six different categories. Uh, if it affects you or it's in that category of memory, social, learning, belief, money, or politics, and they're all color coded. And some of these cognitive biases you know, are just one or two of those categories. Some are all of them, but I want to focus on the ones that really stuck out to me. And I know Walter, you may have seen a few of them that you want to talk about. Um, but the first one I want to talk about 
Uh, it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Now, Walter, have you heard that term lately? I feel been, like you've dropped that one maybe on the show at some point. In the, I mean, it's a familiar word, right? Dunning-Kruger. Like, you don't forget yeah. that name. Right, and it's uh, it's not Dunder Mifflin. It's Dunning-Kruger. <laughs> two <laughs> like that. two yeah. totally different things. Different things. Uh, but it, it's been batted around in the, the kind of the lexicon in the past couple of years. Uh, and the Dunning-Kruger effect is basically the less you know the more confident you are. And the more you know, the less confident you are. Hmm, interesting. Now, do you know any family members that would fall into sure. being affected by the Dunning-Kruger event? We could all pick a few out, I imagine, <laughs> yeah. off the top of our heads. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that old joke, you know, you talk about, you know, National Lampoon's vacation. Everybody, Everybody's family has a cousin Eddie. Yes. Can you, yes. Can you think who that cousin Eddie is? Mm-hmm. Picturing yeah. it right now. Yep. And if you can't envision who the cousin Eddie is, it's you. (laughs) So cousin Eddie, uh, he's super confident because he doesn't know a lot. Now, that's why you see people, the longer we live, the more experiences we have that we sometimes get can get overwhelmed. It's like, wow, you realize the more you know, the less you know about everything. And you can only take in so much information. And that's why I feel like you've me, I have professionals in my life, whether it's my CPA or attorneys, things like that. It helped guide me uh, through certain aspects of my my wife and I's financial life. But that's what they focus on. They keep me grounded in those things. And you're seeing a lot of the Dunning Kruger effect today. Uh, you can, to me, it's it's obvious when people start spouting off about certain topics that they really don't have any comprehension of that topic or have really spent any time studying history. Um, Because a lot of things that happen in the world are just repeated and maybe a different flavor to it. Um, But I think some of the things you're seeing today is the fact that people don't necessarily understand that some of these things have we've experienced before, tried before, didn't work out. Um, They think maybe this time is different, but probably is not going to be. So again, don't don't want to fall for that uh, Dunning-Kruger effect. Another one that I thought was pretty interesting, which is the next one was anchoring. And we rely heavily on the first piece of information introduced when making decisions. So an example of a sale or a price tag, you know, says, hey, that's 50% off. It must be a great deal. Hmm. Well, that's a psychological game. And I experienced that when we're, we're getting ready to have a renovation in our office, looking at office equipment. And I said, okay, well, let's look at these chairs. I said, you know, what's roughly the price there? And they quoted a price. Says, but don't worry, that's not the real price. Right. So you automatically, boom, I'm getting a deal. No matter what he says, the next price is I'm getting a deal. Yeah. But I say, well, why don't you just give me the price? Because I know that's not a real price. But it's just the idea that that I didn't anchor to that first initial thought, which was, oh, yeah, they're they're X amount of dollars, but that's not the real price. They're going to be cheaper. Well, can we just start with that price? So it's a psychological game that retailers can make uh, when they talk about uh, anchoring. That's fascinating. I feel like I do anchoring too. It's not even just with the sales prices, but just that 
that first piece of introdu- of information. You do rely, it's like a first impression. You do rely heavily on it or it'll automatically implant itself in you a little bit. Like I'll do that whenever we look for um, vacation homes or something like that, Scott. You're looking online and that first really good one you come across, you kind of develop an emotional attachment to it. And then like Connie might send me three or four other options like a day later, but I'd be like, nah, 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 none of these are going to be as good as the one that I found first. Like that, <laughs> it's not possible to find a better one after the one I found. Or yes. you just got like emotionally for no good reason attached to the one that you first kind of envisioned yourself spending the weekend, that kind of thing. I know that's a silly example, but you could probably think of lots of different ways that anchoring happens. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, another one I thought was very interesting, actually, they talk about it in the article is, you know, the Google effect. And it's also known as digital amnesia. Uh, yeah. And so it's called the Google effect because it just describes our tendency to forget information that can be easily accessed online. And so this comes from really a discovery by Betsy Sparrow in 2011. She's a, at Columbia University. Their paper described the results of several memory experiments involving technology. And in one experiment, participants typed trivia statements into a computer and were later asked to recall them. Half believed the statements were saved and half believed the statements were erased. The results were significant. So participants who assumed they could look up their statements did not make much effort to remember them. Ah, And so they're like, ah, you know, I can just go, I can go retrieve that. I don't need to remember that. And because search engines are continually available to us, we may often be in a state of not feeling we need to encode that information internally. When we need it, we're going to look it up. And so our modern brains appear to be reprioritizing the information we hold on to. And notably, the study doesn't suggest we're becoming less intelligent. Our ability to learn offline remains the same. Uh, but, But I think it goes to show where you have people that in the education system they were brought up in, it was a scenario where you remembered things, you memorized things. Uh, think about phone numbers, Walter, how many phone oh, yeah. numbers did you have to remember growing up? Oh, all, all, a ton. And I can still remember some of like my original, mm-hmm. original numbers. Mm-hmm. And today we think, Hey, we don't need to remember those because mm-hmm. I can just plug it in the phone. Now you can just tell your phone to call someone and that will call them for you. Yeah. I think I know four numbers, five, if you include my own. Yeah. So it's, so we are in a system where our brains, we're not taxing our brains with memorizing detail. Uh, we're relegating it to, Oh, I can find it on the phone. And I, and it makes me sound like I'm getting old, but it's wisdom is not being able to look something up. <laughs> yeah. Okay? I like that. And that is the new definition to, of wisdom, isn't it? It is. It's like, well, no, just because you can look it up doesn't you don't, <laughs> use an you apparatus. Know it. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really know it. So uh, I, I'm going to lose some man points for this, Scott. Uh, but the Google effect, the biggest example I can think for myself is uh, how to jumpstart a car. <laughs> I've, <laughs> I've had to jumpstart a car probably like 30 times in my life. I drive older vehicles. So you'd think I'd have it dialed in at this point. But regrettably, every time it happens, I mean, I could fumble my way there. I may miss, you know, I may connect one of them before the other one and cause a spark, you know, like probably not going to damage anything. It's still going to work. 
But I still, just to make sure before I do it, I still look it up every time. Like, all right, which one first? This one, this one. Okay, and that's right. It goes to the metal, not to the... Po- okay. You know, I still have to confirm every time with Mr. Uh, with Mr. Google. So it's it's terrible. But that's like the perfect example. Like, why can't I recall this? This should be secondhand at this point. I have things like are descaling our our coffee maker yeah yeah i have to i've got the video saved now and unfortunately the only one that i've found that is applicable to the make and model of our coffee maker is in japanese nice that's helpful so i so i just turn the words off and i just have it playing i just follow along and punch the little buttons and it it descales but we've had that coffee maker for nine years probably two or three descalings a year oh gosh and I still haven't uh, haven't been able to commit it to memory. Yep. So that's too funny. And you would if if you didn't have Google, you'd have figured it out and remembered it the very first time. I'm sure. Yes, absolutely. And, and so all these little things. Uh, you think about ga- the gambler's fallacy, especially when we talk about money, is that you know we think future possibilities are affected by past events. You know, so Alice has lost nine coin tosses in a row, so she's sure to win the next one. You know, like there's not not connection there, uh, so you just have to be careful of you know, especially buying a stock. Well, this this stock did this. Well, it's going to continue to do that. Well, it's, it may not be the be the case. Zero risk bias, I thought was a good one. Uh, you know, we f- we prefer to reduce small risk to zero, and even if if we can reduce more risk overall with another option, um, so that would be why they pop up now if you buy something on Amazon, they're always offering you the warranty. Yeah, uh, if you right. notice yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It's like I want to buy this and it goes, hey, hey do you wanna do you want to reduce the risk even more by buy, you know, spend another four dollars? And so in our mind, it can make split decisions going, oh yep, I, that's a big enough purchase. I need to I need to hedge my bet. If I can reduce my risk to zero, then my, I might as well, you know, pay the extra money and have that. You know, when I really liked Scott was uh, the IKEA effect. I've got a few pieces of IKEA furniture that I've assembled myself, and they identified this one as we place higher value on things that we partially or fully, well, I guess partially because I didn't make the wood or anything, but partially created ourselves. So like if we had a hand in the building of something, we put a lot of value, a lot of pride into those things. I could see that playing out in the financial world pretty easily too, like a, a, a do-it-yourself or financial plan. <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. And, and hey, I'm, I'm all for people being do-it-yourselfers. You just have decided that you're going to commit a portion of your life to gathering knowledge, continually honing that knowledge and applying it to your personal situation. Uh, so you're exchanging your time and your mental capacity to manage the assets. And so I think that's great. Uh, but the thing you have to be concerned about is that uh, you don't want to have too much attachment to the overall plan. Uh, you got to be careful of, is your significant other as excited about that as you are? Because if something happens to you, who is your successor? Who is going to help guide the surviving spouse through the process of managing that plan going forward if you're not going to be there? And that was a big decision yeah. I had to make for my wife. Um, I did not want her, because you know, we're getting to that age where we get the dinner seminar invitations every week. I would hate for my wife to not know who is going to be there to help her 
if something would happen to me, I would hate for her to have to go to the Hereford house and get a chicken breast dinner and listen to a 45 minute presentation about the latest, greatest thing and her have to interview people to manage the wealth uh, that we created over our lifetime. And more importantly, for someone to help guide her through making it last as long as she does. That's what I think we've got to be careful of uh, when we get too enthralled about something we've crafted ourselves and making sure what are the consequences of that on the other side of it. It's a great point. I uh, Connie always calls me out on this one because I'll uh, we'll have somebody at the house and I'll say, oh yeah, I built this hall tree. I built this coat rack or I, I built this dresser. And she'll say, no, 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 you assembled it. You assembled the dresser. You ass- <laughs> and I'm like, oh, come on. No, no, no. She's there to keep me humble, Scott. There to keep that's, me humble. A, that's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, and one of the last ones we'll talk about, I think it's a, a good one to end on, is, is the blind spot bias. And that's where... We don't think we have bias, but we see it in others more than ourselves. Interesting. And so we say, oh, well, look at them. Look what they think. Well, sometimes we have to just take a step back and figure out, does that apply to us as well? And one of my early mentors told me something wise. He said, you know, if there's something about someone that bothers you or you're kind of rubbed the wrong way, he said, you got to take a step back to realize is it because those are some of the things you do and you don't like about yourself? <laughs> and I'm like, huh, that's yeah. kind of interesting when he does, when, when you think about that. Uh, but that blind spot bias, you know, we are all going to have a bias and you know, a lot of us is because we, we have ideas about money that somewhere along the lines, they made an impact on us. And it may have happened a long time, it may have been, you know, slight little thing, but, you know, it could be the way uh, if your parents, how they were raised, like my grandparents were raised in the Great Depression, you know, they were huge savers. Now, the problem with if you're a huge saver, you know, when you're, when CDs are paying, you know, eight, nine, 10, 12 plus percent. Uh, and you're making great money, great income off of those, you know, if you're still using the same vehicle when they're paying half a percent or less than 1%, you may have a pretty strict bias to safety, even though that may not be serving you to the highest level. If a situation where like we grew up, uh, money was tight in my early years of my life and it made me want to be a saver. It made me want to have resources and surplus. And so I could, I just never wanted to not have resources so I could continue to go out and do the things that are important to me. And so I know for a fact that the amount of cash I keep for my business, for my personal life, it's because of my background and my growing up, but that's, that serves me you know, in, in the purpose of feeling good and just our clients, we just want to discover, Hey, why do we think what we think about money? Are we making decisions based on outdated information and just make sure that whatever we're doing, you know, we're making the best decisions possible with accurate information. 
Love it, and that's helpful, Scott. Again, we're going to link to this article if anybody wants to go check it out. Uh, just check the show notes, the description of today's program. We'll have a link there that you can follow that will lead you to this article. It uh, covers 50 different biases. There's some cute little cartoons that kind of uh, accompany each one that are kind of fun to look at, and, and not all of them are money uh, you know, related, but you might find some of them uh, really interesting. Like I, I like, I love the bandwagon one, and they use a fidget spinner as an example. Uh, so I yes. Just, I thought that was clever and uh, and and so true as well right like everybody had to have a fidget spinner there for a little while uh, if everybody remembers that craze so yeah go check it out uh, helpful resource and i think it'll just uh, kind of you know broaden your mind even from a non-financial standpoint to check that out one of the cooler articles i've come across uh, thanks to you finding this one scott and if you want to talk to scott about putting together a financial plan talking about your retirement how these different biases might impact you especially if you are a do-it-yourselfer Uh, Maybe you're affected by more biases than you think. Explore that a little bit. Make sure you're making good decisions with your financial life and with your money. Give them a call if you've got questions. 913-393-4724. 913-393-4724. Or go online to listentoscott.com. That's listentoscott.com. Scott, you know, it's, uh, it's so funny how many of us probably have blind spot bias but if there's 50 of these, it's pretty unlikely we're not going to have at least one of these, right? <laughs> it's probably more like a baker's dozen. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would imagine so. <laughs> It'd be neat to have like our friends and family go through this list and identify which ones they think we have and see how that matches up to the ones we ourselves. Like you could turn this into a board game, right? Like you, oh, you, you definitely get, could. You get little cards and you pick which ones you think you are and then everybody else in the room picks which ones they think they are and then you get points for which ones you uh, match up with or something like that. Just, just be careful. That may ruin Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, it doesn't every board game to an extent. <laughs> true. This is true. This yeah. is true. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Scott, thanks for the help. This was a fun one, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Looking forward to it. All right. Come back and join us for the next episode of Your Retirement Elevated. Until then, for Scott, I'm Walter. Take care. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.